0: From Labradoodles to Cronuts, the world loves a hybrid. So today, businesses are taking a smarter hybrid cloud approach using the tools, platform, and expertise of IBM. The world is going hybrid with IBM. Visit ibm.com slash hybrid cloud.
1: Saw them last night at the Hollywood Bowl with my family. My first concert, I went with both kids and my wife. It was incredible. Like when Go the, see Vampire Weekend, support this great band, buy their stuff. Yeah, I did just, just amazing, amazing show. Like incredible to see a band in their prime delivering music on the highest level. Yep. They were just incredible. The stuff they did, they played 30 songs. 30. Wow. Uh, There was a moment where they just took requests from the crowd, which was chaotic at the Hollywood Bowl and funny, and they handled it well. Uh, I just was amazed at how present and and cool he was. Again, you know, this is a sports and and comedy podcast with a little music thrown in, and so why not talk about that at the top? Uh, We have the Sklar Brothers, and this is View from the Cheap Seats. And today, as we are knee-deep in the beginning of the uh, MLB playoffs, uh, love to get the perspective from people who have played before and uh, who are in the league to understand what these players are going through on the other side. Someone who we've gotten to know uh, and, of course, we're familiar with as a player, but we've gotten to know him through Twitter, uh, which is great, which is really one of the wonderful byproducts of Twitter. Glendon Rush, former Chicago, Cl- Chicago Cub. We're going to call him and talk to him. And then later on the show. Uh, it's NFL season, and Jerry Jones, of course, how about dip, them Cowboys dipping a toe in the Antonio Brown waters? Why? I don't know if you even want to go there, but we'll talk about that. And of course, he would be the one to do that. But first. This is a great time of year, Jay, because MLB playoffs, as we mentioned, NFL. Hockey just started. Hockey just started. The Stanley Cup champion defending St. Louis Blues are off to a rough start, but that's okay. They can be in last place by uh, January January 6th (laughs) and then go on a run, and that's fine. But uh, I want to talk about college football because we are knee-deep in that season, too. And And the the hype in this moment is about... Players being allowed and states passing laws that are allowing players to not get paid by universities, but to own their own likeness, own their own likeness, to hire agents and then pursue business opportunities that can in turn pay them uh, for their likeness. And initially, initially, there is a there's kind of a knee jerk reaction to say, no, these guys are college students. They should not be paid. But then you think about it and you say to yourself, why shouldn't each person own his or her own likeness? Why should the NCAA own it in that way? Now, the fear, let's talk about this in every angle. The fear is that <clears throat> some car dealership down in Tuscaloosa is going to say, you know, to a tug of Aloha Toyota and put his face on there and give him $500,000 just to have his face on there, and that's using his image, and boosters contribute to that in some weird way. Right. It's very easy to jack up the price of an image to... Get a recruit to come to your yeah, school. yeah. You want to come to our school, the best five star quarterback. Well, we've got enough boosters. Here's we, how it works: we can put your name on an old, your face on an old country buffet, and the next thing you know, you've got a million dollars in your pocket. Now, they could still do the old bag trick of dropping off poker chips for local casinos at their parents' house, and no one can trace those in any way, shape, or form, or their uncle's house, or someone who's six down on in their entourage, but. Yeah, there's no tracking system now. It's happening now. If you don't think it's happening now, then you're bearing. Maybe there's a way once you sort of not deregulate it, but once to regulate, once you pass these laws. And once California goes. I know there's a law being presented in the state of Colorado, in the state of Illinois, in the state of New York. And suddenly all these, yeah. once a few states drop, then the states that have schools that want to be competitive, they're going to have to pass these laws too. And this is everything that the O'Bannons, Ed O'Bannon and Steve Bannon, just kidding, Ed O'Bannon and Charles O'Bannon were fighting for. In their initial lawsuit years ago was that their image was used on an EA sports like college basketball game and they got pay- on the cover of it and they got paid nothing. And that doesn't seem fair in America today. You can't. So that's the thing. The NCAA can say, listen. We don't want these kids to take money. They are student athletes. What they're getting is an education and all that is right and that's fine. But then don't you go use their image and make money off of that. And the other thing is people are like, well back in the fifties and sixties college students were just happy to get the education well you know what college football wasn't the same business that it was that it is today no back in the 50s 60s 70s and I would argue even into the 80s I would say like into the 90s and 2000s is when it started to become a business when ESPN started revving up when contracts were bought when networks like Big Ten Network and SEC network and all these things started exploding onto the scene and mm-hmm. millions of Billions of dollars were being poured back into the school for the TV contracts. You know, now it becomes a big business. We've always said, and we've said this on the show, that there should be an escrow account where, you know, money gets put in by the team and a different piece of the pie gets put in by teams that, you know, earn more. And then student athletes can, upon graduation or upon however many years they take before they leave the school, get a portion of that escrow account. And that's what you get. And that's a piece of what you earned for the school just by being a part of that team. Yeah, not all of it. My example is Trevor Lawrence, who's the quarterback for Clemson. Unbelievable quarterback. Now, if they had a crappy quarterback, there's no way people would be coming out to games because they'd suck. And so you, you have a guy who is literally putting butts in the seats and making you money and yes he's getting an education and that's great but what we're saying is he should be paid on top of that if you're making lots of money off of his likeness that's all yeah and brian cook on the show last week said it mm-hmm. you know not every player is going to get to a love vialoa uh, money yeah to a tag toyota money which is probably five hundred thousand, dollars whatever it is a million dollars that he's going to get but if some guy in a smaller school. Najee Harris money. Right, if some guy in a smaller school gets $100,000, or $50,000, $50, that could be life-changing money for people who need that type of money. That could change the course of a whole family. And or keep, or keep a kid in, in school. school for four years. Exactly, and that is all we're saying. It's like we, it, we did some work for a healthy needle exchange. Yeah, basically what they were saying is, look, people are getting needles off the streets. Why don't we provide a healthier way to do it? We're not telling them to, to get we off. We know what's going to happen with or without us. We're not telling them to get off the junk. We meet people where they're at. And by the way, it helps in it. You pick up dirty needles off the street and drop them in. And we'll give you clean ones in exchange. Where again, we're not telling you to stop doing it. What we're doing is getting you in the door. And that place was doing amazing work for people, and it just oh, by, by bringing everything w- out of the shadows. That's right. And so we bring it out of the shadows here, and we see what we can do. So that's what I'm saying. Pay the N- NCAA players, and we'll see. For their likeness, not from the school. Exactly. All right. This is the Growlers Natural Affair. Uh, check it out. We'll when we come back on the other side, uh, Glendon Rush, and then later on the show. Jerry Jones, we'll uh, be right back. It's view you from the Cheap Seats. Brothers. Hey
0: everybody, it's Elaine Welteroth and I'm hosting a new podcast called Built to Last by American Express, where we will dive deep into the stories, history, and continued legacy of small businesses that shape American culture. Our debut season will focus on Black-owned small businesses that need our support now more than ever. In each episode, we feature the story of a Black business trailblazer that has inspired a modern Black-owned business. First up is Pinky Cole of Atlanta's food truck turned restaurant, Slutty Vegan. We'll also chat with Hanifa Mwemba, the cutting-edge designer behind the Hanifa 3D Digital Fashion Show. Plus, we'll check in with Issa Rae, our modern-day Renaissance woman. We hope that it encourages all of our listeners to support these businesses as well as the Black-owned businesses in your own communities. Tune in for these amazing stories and others on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
2: Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies.
1: All right, guys, welcome back to the show. As promised, uh, he was a major leaguer for, I'm going to say, is this correct? Nine years, 12 years. 12 years, is that right? Glendon Rush? That's right. 12 years, Glendon Rush played in the major leagues uh, for several teams. We remember him as a pitcher on the Cubs. Being, Our nemesis. Being Cardinals fans, but I remember facing him and having tough games against him. If you play in profe- in any professional sports league for more than three years, which is what I believe the average or five years, you have done something amazing. And he has done something amazing. He's here to talk to us about baseball, obviously about the playoffs and whatnot, and how he sort of got to where he is. Glendon Rush, welcome to the show, buddy.
3: Thanks for having me, guys. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Well, we're kind of in the same age range. Grew up in like uh, born in the mid 70s. I think we're about 70s. a few years, three, older, three years, than years older than you. Uh, when I want to know just because how do – Jay's son plays baseball right now. Jay's son's playing in a – Yeah, you know, my son's in like – he's not on a travel team. He's on that cusp. But he but plays with some travel kids. And I just wonder like at what point – because I'm always fascinated by this. You see like major leaguers who play in the in the Little League World Series and you're like, "Well, you knew then that this is what you were going to do." At what, what point was your path, for you did you know, "Oh my god, I actually might have a shot to play pro?"
3: I think it was probably a junior year of high school for me is when when I kind of uh, started developing more and and scouts need- started started looking at me and then uh, by the beginning of my senior year of high school I signed to go to the University of Washington. So that ultimately that was my goal was to get college paid for uh, right. by playing baseball. Yeah.
1: And you grew up in Seattle, which is not, I mean, obviously the Mariners are great and people love the Mariners, but no, nobody's baseball. Saying, you think kids who grew up in like Clearwater, Florida who or Texas year or whatever, round, you don't think of like, you know, the hotbed of baseball, Seattle, like how many games did you have rained out as a kid?
3: A bunch. We we tarped the field often, and we vacuumed water off the field. We did anything we could to play there for sure. So to make um, it,
1: to make it out of there was pretty amazing too. To be a prospect out of Seattle,
3: yeah, it was. I, I and, and I think it's gotten a little bigger up there now over the last probably twenty years or so. Global but
1: warming? I, Just kidding. Yes. That's terrible, terrible.
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, but I think that. But I think now. But w- what you guys talk about is you know the meccas are definitely Texas, Florida. California, you know the places that they play all year round. Really,
1: yeah, yeah, and that's a chance to be on. Like you said, Jay knows his his. Your son plays fall and fall spring. and spring baseball. I and mean that just... that's how you get better. You play it all the time.
3: How old is How old is Jason's son? My playing?
1: son is ten and a half, and he's he just moved up a level to like a twelve and under league. So big difference between a twelve year old and a ten year old. So I'm just hoping he can hang in through this season, and as he gets older and grows still enjoy it. You know what I mean? It's like, um, we played high school ball, but we were small. We never really, there were kids on our, there were kids on our high school team, like six three two twenty, 20. So some big kids, you know what I like, mean? Missouri kids. Yeah. Like big kids. Farm yeah. You get the,
3: get. The, yeah, you guys are, you guys are uh, from St. Louis, right? Right. 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 Yeah. So, the so far- yeah, you get the, uh, the hairy chested farm kids at like eighth grade.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so you played at the university of Washington, which, uh, you know, division one pack 12, which, Maybe Washington isn't a powerhouse or maybe it was back then, but your UCLA's, UCLA's, your Stanford's, your, I mean, all those schools, Cal, Cal, you got some great teams in that league.
3: Yeah. So I never, I never ended up there. I signed to go there and then, and then actually signed with Kansas city out of high school. So, um, I went straight to the minor leagues. Um, and the minor leagues became my, my college. Really.
1: Do you ever lament not going to college?
3: There's times I do. I, I think there's some aspects of it that would be fun, but then at the same time, I, I look back on how lucky I was to get to the big leagues when I did. That essentially my you know four years of college were in the minor leagues, and at 22, I I was in the big leagues.
1: Were you like I'm seeing shit that I should not be seeing at 18 because you're hanging out with like <laughs> grizzled veterans on their way down? You know, it, it's sort of. How right did Bull Durham get it in terms of, not in everything, but in terms of like the guys coming on their way down and the guys coming on their way up?
3: Oh, they got a bunch of that right. That, that's what AAA baseball is all about right there. And, and I the first year that I went to AAA, I was the, I, I'm pretty sure I was the youngest guy mm-hmm. on our team in Omaha. And there was a lot of uh, grizzled veterans on that squad. It was a lot of fun. And that was feeding into Kansas City? Yes, that was into Kansas City.
1: I mean, let's talk about Kansas City briefly, because obviously you were there late 90s, 97 to 99, is that correct?
3: Yeah, that's when I was there.
1: So you were there in the 90s, and they were a decade earlier... Maybe twelve years before you got there, eighty five when 85. they won the Brett so, so Saberhagen. still in the memory of Kansas City fans. Were was a World Series championship and some great players. I mean, when the Whitey when Whitey Herzog coached that team in the in the seventy late seventies early eighties, they had some good players and they were, you know, Willie Wilson would always hit seventeen triples. You are like, how is he hitting all these triples? But like, <laughs> those are great teams. And then for Kansas City to do it again. So then you played when you played there and they weren't fantastic. But for them to do what they did in 2015 and you were a part of that organization 15, 17 years earlier, how crazy is that as a small market team for, for them to pull off what they did?
3: That was great. And I, I, I actually was really caught up and, and became a fan of of that season for them and watching them do that. And, and, and I had Ned Yost as a manager. His, his actual first year as a manager... I had him in Milwaukee, yeah, um, in 2003, and so Ned Ned was awesome, and I had some other people in that organization that I knew, so that was fun to watch. And it's difficult as a small market team to 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 get that deep into it. And now now we see with the current guys, I'm sure that that you'll we'll talk about in the in the playoff sure race that's going on now. But yeah, you see the Rays and the A's and and those teams in there this year.
1: Ned Yost feels like he was an old man even when he was a young man. Yes, you know what I mean. Yes. You like yeah. Kate, a twenty-year-old, you're like, "What are you? Sixty? Jesus Christ!" Ned, his <laughs> name is Ned. Last name <laughs> yeah, he's,
3: he's a wise. He's a wise man. He was a great, great guy, great manager. I really enjoyed playing for him.
1: Yeah, it did feel like in that 2015 season he managed the team a lot like that was in my recollection well, Maybe as the a first pitch, time and as you, a pitcher you yeah you saw that. like okay you had a seventh inning pitcher you had an eighth inning pitcher you had a ninth inning pitcher no matter how well those guys were doing he never overworked anyone he developed a system and if you were losing to the royals in and in you this, came out of the sixth inning game was over over
3: that's such a that's such a key too, the the, the what you said about not overworking them because I I, I sat down with Darren Ballsley, the pitching coach with the Padres, and Dave Roberts mm-hmm. in 2015 when I was coaching in the minor leagues with the Padres, I, right. I, got, to, I got to join them on the big league staff for three days. Mm-hmm. And I had this long conversation with those three guys, and obviously Dave's gone on to be the manager of the Dodgers about use of the bullpen. And the, the argument back and forth between those two was Darren Balsley is strict regiment, your 7th inning guy, your 8th inning guy, your ninth inning guy – they don't go four outs; they go three outs. You know, you don't overwork them. Once you try and use them for four, then you're going to want to use them for five, etc. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's when when you keep that bullpen intact the way that Ned did, and the and the way the Padres have for years, um, they end up being uh, reliable, and you don't burn the guys out down the stretch.
1: I mean, it's amazing, and and really that year in Kansas City, as we sort of talk a little bit about. Um but I, I don't want to finish with your career because I do think it is amazing. What people don't understand is because you played a few years in the minors, I feel like every every kid needs to be shown how difficult it is in the minors and how many guys really value being up in the league. So you get those get get you get your four years in the minors, which is like baseball college for you. Then do you get into the league and say to yourself, oh, my God, I'm, you, you appreciate it that much more?
3: Oh, there's no doubt. I I appreciated it, and I and I I think at times I was overwhelmed because I I I came up in that era where there was still a huge huge group of guys in the big leagues that were guys that I watched growing up, and you know the Cal Ripkins and Eddie Murray's and you know Stessel Fielders and McGuire and Conseco, all these guys that I watched growing up, and and then ended up facing as a kid. You know, it, it was it was big for me, and you know, I got my ass kicked for two years basically mm-hmm. in in Kansas City uh, when I came up, and that was a great learning experience. It was you know, three hundred plus innings of of getting beat up and and learning, and and that kind of helped me later on in my career, I think.
1: Well, you look at a guy like a young pitcher like Jack Flaherty on the Cardinals right now. So he kind of got his ass kicked a little bit last year and the first half of this year. But then you see that kid put it all together in the second half that next to Jake Arietta, I defy you to find a better second half of baseball pitch by a pitcher in, in recent times. Isn't that amazing? Like, are you amazed by how he put it together that way? Or did you think, yeah, this is coming? Guy it's, has the tools. It's He's either going to happen this year or next year.
3: I think I think you always see it coming with guys like that, and especially with command. You know, with guys that can really command it, and the stuff stuff is there, obviously. But and then and but it really does take time. It, it you know it takes time to learn how to uh, maneuver yourself through a game and and know who you want not to beat you and and manage the game. All that kind of stuff comes with experience and time. And unfortunately, everyone just gets. Sp- you know sprung into the league now so quickly that sometimes they don't have enough time they don't have time to get two or three hundred innings under their belt before they go hey we're gonna let this guy grow and and be who he can be you know really you want the guy for six years in your organization right before he becomes a free agent and then and then after that he's free game but if you can get six quality years out of a guy that you that you um raised through your organization you did great.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, what's funny is that Randy was talking to Pedro. Actually, we were filming a thing about Steve Bartman, a little fun. (laughs) Eve Bartman. (laughs) We We created the fictitious sister of Steve Bartman, Eve Bartman, who's the only Cubs fan ever to be mad. She's a Cubs fan, but was mad that the Cubs won because she (laughs) had all this merchandise. About Steve Bartman that she could no longer sell, so she was like <laughs> ruined her cottage. Played industry. by our our good friend Tignataro, but wh- part of getting some quotes about how evil Eve Bartman was, Randy went to down to TBS and he talked to Pedro and and those guys. And Pedro was saying, you know, you almost would rather rather than make a guy look bad and strike him out on like four or five pitches, you want to trick a guy into thinking he's hitting a strike and have him hit the top half of the ball and ground out. Uh, you want a 3 pitch inning, not a 9 pitch inning. Uh Yeah, oh
3: yeah, yeah, if you can pull it off, no doubt. No doubt. You want soft contact early in the count and and then as as the at bat goes deeper, then if you have the opportunity to punch him out, of course you want to punch him out. Right. By the way,
1: soft contact sounds like the worst porno ever. Yes. Right?
3: That, yes. <laughs> they made, were both
1: they were both gardeners. They didn't know if they could touch each but other. But he made soft contact with her. Um <laughs> So it it is really amazing as we enter, and I was saying about Kansas City, the idea that, you know, in, in, in 2015, the wild card to me has been amazing for baseball in terms of giving more cities a chance to be excited down the stretch. You don't, it's not locked up. Yes, Houston and the Yankees and the Dodgers just ran away with their divisions, but, you know, both wild card you know what? wildcard races came down to the end in the in the case of the Brewers and the Cardinals, the National League Central came down to the last day, and you're seeing like six, seven, eight, nine cities that that actually have a shot. That's amazing. And then once you're the wild card, like we don't know how far the Rays are going to go this year. They're amazing.
3: They got a great team, and I I, I was impressed because I didn't watch them much this year, and I watched them last night. I actually watched most of the game last night, and they they they've got quite a lineup and the versatility's. Impressive, and of course, Morton is a stud. I love that guy. I mean, what a great story to come from—you know, eight or nine years deep into his career, where he w- was, you know, roughly a 500-type guy, and then that now he's just become dominant. Um, that's that's always fun to see. And you know, it is cool with the wild card because if you look back, even in July or August, I mean, there was in the National League, there was teams that were all in it. You know, the Diamondbacks, the Phillies, the the Padres were even four or five games out of the wild card at one point. I mean, yeah, there's no doubt that that, that that's brought more excitement to the game and and more fan bases have an opportunity to go deeper into the season with a chance.
1: Well, because, and and, and, you almost are like, do you want to wrap up your division? Obviously, everybody wants to wrap up the division. You get a home field advantage. Obviously, you have the best record. But there's something to be said, and maybe you can speak to this, too, about playing games that matter down the stretch, where your back's against the wall and you have to win. You come into that playoffs, you know what I mean, fighting ready. You're in, like, fighting shape. You know what I'm saying? Every game means something.
3: It's so much fun. I, I You know, unfortunately, I wasn't a part of it very many times. Um, a couple of years in New York and a couple of years in Chicago where we were fighting for the playoffs uh, down to the end, and and, and there is nothing more fun than that. I I remember starting a game. In uh, Chicago, I think in 2004, with about six or seven games left in the season, I started a home game against the Reds. And we were either one game back or two games back in the wild card or or at the time. And and, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's nothing like that. There's nothing like it.
1: Every out, every play, the crowd's hanging on it. They're checking the scoreboard for the other games. It's exciting.
3: It is. It's so much fun. Yeah, and you and you know the year that I that I got in uh, into the playoffs with the Mets, we were the wild card team, and we ended up all the way into the World Series and ran into the buzzsaw of the the, the Yankees. Yankees. And, yeah, yeah, at the at the end of their three peat. Um, but you know that it was funny. I was thinking about those guys. Um, I actually listened to um, a little bit of your guys' show with Vascurian and uh, and how you guys were talking about the bullpen and how the the uh, playoffs work and you know you think back to that which is almost 20 years ago now but that's the way those games were played if you if you looked at the Yankees you know it was Stanton and Nelson and Rivera yep. in the seventh eighth and ninth and you're lucky if you got a hit off of them
1: that's right that's right and 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 you couldn't even key in on a guy because you're like, all right, next inning, you got somebody else. You know what I mean? Next yeah. Year, no, next in you got another guy and, and, and close it out with the Sandman. You really do understand what a, what a great career that was. Uh, it's exciting. Let's talk about it. Really? Let's talk about as we head into this, the Cardinals are playing as we speak, as we're doing this interview right now, they're playing against the Braves. Uh, you've got the uh, Dodgers against the nationals and the National League. What, when you look at those matchups, what are you feeling as we head into this? I mean, I let's think, talk nationally first, and then we'll get into the American League.
3: I I think that uh, the Dodgers were hoping they get to play the Brewers as yep. opposed to the Nationals. Mm-hmm. That's just it's just my opinion. I I, I think you don't want to see Strasburg, Scherzer, and and Corbin. I yeah. mean, they have the opportunity that they could beat the Dodgers in a short series. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Cardinals and the Braves. I think it's going to be a dog fight. I think that one goes seven games or yeah. not, sorry, not seven. Five, Five games. Five games. I, I, I think that one goes all the way to the end. Um, Cause I think they're both a pretty evenly matched series, but we'll see what happens. Yep.
1: And let's say, so, okay. Whoever comes out, do you, you feel like the Dodgers could emerge? And do you feel like the Dodgers are going to represent from the national league?
3: I do. I think they're going to, I think they're going to be back in it again. That's my gut feeling, but who knows? I mean, it's, it, it, there's no doubt that the four teams that are, that are in the National League right now, all
1: either one could, anyone could take it,
3: anyone could win it. I think. I think the National League is a little more up for grabs than the American League.
1: And in the American League, you are like, have we ever seen a team? I mean, this is a historically good team in Houston, historically
3: good. They really are, and they're you know they're fun to watch. Um, they they have so many different pieces, and 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 I I love the way Hinch manages. He yeah, he's one he's one of the guys that has kind of done a good job of you know turning turning a, a hybrid version into analytics and the eye test at the same time you know you go back to the old school of seeing guys that hey this guy's throwing well let's let him get two more outs let's that's let, right you know I, I i thought they made that mistake in um that milwaukee did the other the other night uh they had pomerantz who was absolutely dominating Dominating. why not let him Get one more base runner, or or you know, go out and get one or two more outs, and then uh, before they brought Hader in. But it's 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 just the way it's managed now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think Houston. I think we may see a repeat of Houston, uh, LA, which would be interesting. Great I mean, Houston's throwaway. front office came from mm-hmm. St. Louis. That's right. When you think about the GM who built the Cardinals and made the Cardinals who they were, goes to Houston. I mean, how come that guy doesn't get as much credit as he deserves?
3: Yeah, that's true. That's true. There, there, are definitely some ties there, and 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 I, th- I think Houston is going to be very tough to beat. I mean, they have they, they essentially have three probable Hall of Famers in their rotation, um, and and two of the best pitchers in baseball, probably the number one and number two in the Cy Young in the American League this year.
1: Uh, question about the uh, the firing of Joe Madden and the fact of when it happened. Do you think they should have just let him? Coach out the last game and then deal with it after the season. Like, what did you make of that?
3: Yeah, I always think they should they should wait till the day after the season. Uh, you know, the thing that bothered me about Joe and I, I haven't been around Joe a bunch, but I have spent a little time talking with him. I mean, what they did there in Chicago from the Ricketts family taking over ownership, mm-hmm. Theo and and Jed coming in, you know, for, from a front office standpoint, and Joe and Putting together the winning seasons they did, and going to the playoffs every year, and winning a World Series for the first time since dinosaurs walked the earth. Yeah, um, I, I I don't know how you can not be happy with that. But you know, I I think every organization goes down that path. They go, okay, do we want another voice, or 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 do we want? Bring in a whole new regime. I don't know. I I I love the guy. I think he's a great manager, and I, w- I would have enjoyed playing for him at some point.
1: And he's like not. Doesn't feel like he's a hundred percent baseball. There's other stuff to that guy that to me is just fascinating. You know what I mean?
3: Oh yeah. I got. I, I spent a little bit of time down there with Ryan Dempster in the clubhouse, and and love uh, Dempster.
1: Yes. Yeah,
3: running around and and checking out all their new digs down there and everything, and the same strength coaches there that was there when I played. and Yeah, they got a great atmosphere, great clubhouse vibe, and, and he brings a lot of that to the table. I
1: love it. All right. Well, let's uh, take a break, shall we? Let's do that. Take a little break. And then when we come back, uh, we'll do some quick hits with Glenn and Rush. I heard this the other night. This was so good. Uh, Tonight by Iggy Pop. Tonight, we've got playoff baseball. uh, And we've got Glenn and Rush on the show. Stay with us. This is View from the Cheap Seats. We'll be right back after this break.
4: 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities on most VZ 5G devices. Monthly per line pricing with five plus lines on biz unlimited start. Device payment, smartphone purchase. Auto pay and paper free billing required. Terms apply. Support for this podcast comes from WGU. Do you want a more skilled and effective workforce? Do you want to build loyalty and increase employee retention? A partnership with Western Governors University could be exactly what you need. Over 300 organizations nationwide already count on WGU for valuable education benefits that lead to better prepared and more capable workers. With more than 60 accredited bachelor's and master's programs to choose from and shorter credential programs coming soon, WGU has long been a leader in making quality higher education more accessible. Flexible online learning is the key. Students can fit schooling around their existing schedules and even complete courses and degrees sooner than planned. WGU makes earning a respected degree possible with just a computer and an internet connection. Partner with WGU today to make a smart investment in your company's and employee's future. Learn more at wgu.edu slash partnerships. That's wgu.edu slash partnerships. All right, guys, welcome back to the show.
1: We are with uh, Glendon Rush, who's a great follow on the old uh, Twitter, by the way. Follow Glendon Rush. Is that your Twitter handle? I just know you as that, but is that what it is? yeah glendon that Ross, is it. a great follow on twitter and that's how we kind of got to know you which is one of the great things about twitter yeah there you go twitter came off good cardinals by the way down already uh down one nothing and uh seemingly imploding in the first inning all right well we tease this did we tease this or no we tease this with you we were talking about this let's get in some quick some it's yes it. uh i'm just gonna read the headline here glendon and <laughs> did you ever play any other sports besides uh baseball did you play football or anything like that
3: uh, I played a little bit of football as a younger kid, and then I played basketball all the way up through my junior Okay. Year, all right, well, it's so
1: funny because I do believe guys who play multiple sports tend to do better in, like, professional athletes who played multiple sports. Like, yeah, we talked to uh, Jim Harbaugh, and he was like, I like to recruit a kid in the secondary who played baseball, who played, like, in the outfit, who knows, knows how, how to track a fly to, ball. Yeah, turn around and see his shoulders. He can track the fly ball in a way that, like, other people can't.
3: I 100% agree with it. It's funny we had a conversation on Twitter, like I think yesterday or today, with Kevin Euclis and Doctor Tommy John about playing multiple sports and kids taking a break. And all it, that. Well, it, it definitely just
1: gets a different muscle, set of muscles working and that whole thing. Well, if you play any football, uh, there are <laughs> there are celebrations after touchdowns happen, and then there is this, which is insane. Uh, referee shot in the head by a cannon during a college football game. <laughs> all right, now we've all wanted to shoot the referee <laughs> in the head with a cannon, but you don't do it, Glendon. <laughs>
3: that, and, uh, that is awesome. I, what what was is hot, high school so, game It was a college, college game. game. But so like, let me
1: read the details. All right, but before we get into it, like they check your purse now and your bags. Well, when hold you on walk a into second. Let me get into that. An official was shot by a cannon while working in Maine. Maritime Academy's homecoming football. And it was homecoming. come, oh, on. come on. Football game uh, Saturday against Massachusetts Maritime Academy. Yeah, a cannon in the head. During the game on the right side of the frame, there's video footage of it. It is insane. Cannon wasn't loaded with a cannonball, so it was only an injury and not a decapitation. Jeez. Hmm. Can you imagine if that oh my a- God, But who shoots that a cannonball amazing. towards a field full of people? A main maritime. A dummy. A main maritime alumnus brought his own cannon to the game. You know, Glendon, how you just bring your own cannon to the game?
3: What? Yeah, do you put the cannon? Do you put the cannon in that little bowl that you slide next to the metal detector? That's yeah. like, what it seems wallet, like, Here's
1: my cell keys. phone. Here are my AirPods. Here's, <laughs> here's, here's my, my cannon.
3: <laughs> you should my not keys. be allowed
1: to enter any public forum <laughs> with a cannon. This is. <laughs> oh, so he shot it great. in order to keep uh, The tradition of firing off a blast for every touchdown As college football traditions go That one needs, it's pretty wide. <laughs> that was definitely a tradition that the school was like Yeah, we don't need to do that anymore And he's like, no, I'm gonna keep this up Yeah, we don't need it anymore I'm gonna make sure we keep this tradition going Everyone's like, "No, nah, man we don't need a militia, and we don't need you. So he said, this one was loaded with black powder and a substance that he had to had made into a wad. That's what hit the ref in the head. A substance he made into? <laughs> I'm surprised I did.
3: I'm surprised this, I haven't the seen ref- this. Yeah, yeah. I usually- so,
1: Google it. You'll find it. Yeah, the referee was taken to a local hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. The Hancock uh, County Sheriff's Office will investigate the matter. I'm and sure Rex school. Chapman will put it on uh, block or charge. That's right. But the truth of the...
3: Yeah, there you go. That's yeah, a good call. Rex is a great. Uh, he is account
1: a great account to follow. to follow. I think he follows us too. Maybe, yeah. Uh, but it is just insane that like anyone is allowed in this day and age to bring any sort of a weapon, old timey or not, yeah. to a game. Uh, there are cannonballs uh, related mishaps, and then there are t-shirt cannonball related mishaps. And uh, this one happened to an organization that you played for, the Mets. And so maybe you can speak about this. But a Mets fan sues the team after being hit in the face by nearly by being nearly blinded by a T-shirt cannon. Uh, you you gotta not be paying attention at all. Well, the only good news is that you don't have to watch the team play when Jacob DeGrom pitches.
3: Oh, <laughs> oh, it is it's is excruciating. He the, is he the Cy Young it? winner
1: or is it Flaherty? You think it's him?
3: He's got. He's got to be. I, I think Degrom is going to win it, but you know, it, it it is a crazy conversation when you when you start weighing out the uh, the win totals. But but then, how do you blame a guy where the Cy Young is an individual award? essentially, and his team That's plays so like shit true. behind him. You know, you, It's almost like you're watching
1: more. a guy in a bad relationship, and you're like, man, I he's want he's you out of He's trying the here. best he can. He's doing everything for this one. Everybody <laughs> on the team He picks is, up the kids every day. He does the laundry. Yeah, yeah. He does everything, and she treats him like garbage. Like, I want to see him with someone else where yeah. he can get 25 wins.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I know. He Yeah, he really is. He's so fun Dude, to if watch. if he, he was on Houston,
1: so he would have 23-24 wins. Yeah. I mean, think about it.
3: No doubt like about put it. put up the no kind doubt. of
1: season that we're like, ooh, we haven't seen that in a while. Well, so, so But the crazy thing is, and now we are going to have to think about it, what if he continue? hes going to be with the Mets for a while now. I don't know how long his contract is, but what if he continues this level of dominance in the Mets? Historically, if you go back and look at it, don't give him the run support that he wants, and he's winning 10, 11, 12 games a year for five years in his most dominant five-year period. A KOFAX like five-year period, but you don't have the team to support it. And he walks away— 55, or 58, and... 72. And and 40. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, he's... Then, how do we deal with him in the Hall of Fame? And is it making, like, you look back at your career and say, hey, I need to take a different look at my career based on wins and losses, but based on the way I pitched?
3: I wish I could take a different look at my it. career. Stop it. <laughs> I I had a few years. I had a few forgettable years in there where I just got killed on wins and losses. So it doesn't it doesn't look so good overall. But I was able to stick around. But as far as De, as far as Degrom goes, that, that will be an interesting conversation because he he you know potentially could be a Hall of Fame type pitcher. My guess is the way everything is going with with the new era of statistics that they're going to look at probably shorter spans of careers and dominance, um, more favorably for the hall yeah. of fame. I That's mean, his my guess. War is
1: not that great, but again, it's not his fault. It's more about whip yeah. than it is about war. Yeah. Uh,
3: you know, what's funny. What's funny. I was watching the wrong channel last night on the, uh, uh-huh. on the broadcast. I was on like yeah. ESPN plus, where, the, where that's all they were showing me is yeah, all the yeah. analytics stats. And I was like, what in the hell is going on? What has happened? Why are we not showing average and home runs and RBI anymore? It's and all OPS tech-
1: and like whip <laughs> and, and war and all yes. that stuff.
3: Yeah, and then I finally figured out I was on yeah, <laughs> so the wrong That's what helped you out.
1: Uh, so the Mets fan, being a Mets fan, as they say, is a pretty painful experience. I will sue you. <laughs> it's been particularly brutal for one late uh, of late for a longtime Mets fan that is suing the club over an injury sustained at City Field. Alex Swanson, fifty-four, is a Long Island native with he was a long island. probably just trying to like figure out Facebook on yeah, his phone. Who allegedly had a. <laughs> Here's your Facebook right here. Yeah. Goddamn dummy. So, Violet running with a t shirt (laughs) cannon at a Mets game. I mean, you got to be careful where you're firing that thing, you can't fire it low. T-shirt, can't, like, got to go high and you got to have an arc on it. When people are low, you go high. Yeah, when we stand uh, low, you... the force of the blow apparently was harsh enough to knock Swanson off his feet, causing him to tumble backwards and hit his head. He said he was knocked unconscious, which you know that means he was not knocked unconscious. He probably said he saw, like, birds flying. <laughs> Anytime someone says they were knocked unconscious, you would have, there's no way that's what happened. Uh, security and medical personnel came to his uh, Swanson's aid and brought him to a nearby medical station, but he declined to be transferred to the hospital because he was conscious. See, he was conscious right. and could see out of his eyes despite some obviously obvious swelling. The Mets were working on a 6-0 shutout at the time. They're going to have to pay him. He, After the game, his eye issues persisted. He elected to go to the hospital. A CAT scan was performed the next day, according to Swanson's lawyer. This is a bad mishap. This is a terrible mishap. Does this, does this mean the elimination of T-shirt cannons? People love when the T-shirts come out. They should shoot the T-shirt cannon off of Bartolo Colon's stomach and then have it ricochet out into the... Did you ever play with him?
3: <laughs> no, I, I wish I would have. We kept, we actually came up together. We were in like the Carolina League together, coming up through the minor leagues. I love... Bartolo. I wish I could have been he his teammate. Like I point. want him
1: to have his own cologne on, call called the Bartolo, Bartolo cologne. cologne, and it smells like sausage just and sweat. <laughs> yeah, just sausage and male sweat. Uh, so, yes. again, in keeping with our theme of getting cracked in the face, West Memphis superintendent apologizes says he didn't spit on a game official. Okay, I think we've crossed all So he's minds. a superintendent. This isn't the coach of the team who, uh, you know, in the heat of the moment might get upset. This isn't the this principal. isn't Robbie of- Alomar who, uh, you know, we've heard. I don't know what you heard about the Alamar thing. Were you in the league when that happened? No. No. So nope. w- the rumors we heard about the Alomar thing was that somebody made a comment about his sexual orientation. Is that true or not?
3: That that's the rumor that I always heard as well. So I'm I'm, I'm thinking that does I have some truth to it. I love that you
1: too. know that rumor. Isn't that crazy that that we know that rumor? How do we know that? Yes. Rumor? Uh, know? I think we were talking to some baseball people and we heard that rumor. But uh, so you know, that's that. This guy is not in the heat of the battle. He's not the coach. I mean, he's, he's not the, the principal of, of the school. He has nothing. He's the Super superintendent. superintendent. So he's not even. All right. So maybe I guess they were playing on September 20th. I. This is this is the apology he wrote. September 20th, I used some inappropriate language while criticizing an official after a West Yeah, Memphis you were game. lightly criticizing him. I sincerely apologize to that official, to our student athletes, and to our supporters for using that language in the heat of the moment. So you know, as he's focusing on the language, he's not going to say anything about spitting. Oh, he'll talk about the spitting. It's like, did you, did you see the Randy Moss, Glendon, did you see the Randy Moss, uh, Rand University, ESPN 30 for 30? It's an I've amazing documentary, it, no. but it talks in depth about the fight that he had in high school, which was the thing that caused him. He had, you know, basically letters of intent. he was going go to, to go to Florida State. State yeah. And then he wound up going to Marshall because of this fight, where as Randy Moss characterized it, even in the documentary was, I just stomped on this guy's neck twice and that was it. We're like, whoa, 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 whoa. go yeah. back. You just <laughs> stomped on his neck twice. Yeah. Like th- if you stomped on his neck once, that'd be enough to lose the Florida State thing. <laughs> he says, I voluntarily gave up my post of the Arkansas Arkansas Activities Association board because mistakes have consequences That said, some of the allegations Against me, include. that said He's now fighting Now back. he's going to fight back <laughs> Including the one that I spat on an official are simply not true I take responsibility for what I did But I want to be clear about what I didn't do So he had to some of it But not the other stuff That was his way to get around, right? When people like, admit to the sm- Like this is what we were saying about steroids And I would be curious to hear what what you have to say about this When Andy Pettit and I don't. Know, and maybe you're friends with them. I don't want to throw them on the bus if, if you're if you are. But when Andy Pennant comes up and says, "I use steroids
3: once," that
1: to us feels like we all know that can't be true. That can. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, that was that, that was laughable to most of us in the league. But like, he, but, but then
1: he said that, and he's like, "All right, I'm gonna admit guilt to a small thing." so you got me, so your desire to say I got you is here, but now you'll be able to get over it much quicker, whereas Roger Clemens is sitting there going, oh, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. I just won 80 games when I was like 44, you know, and you're like, okay, (laughs) you know know what I mean? I mean, what what do you think happens to those guys? Like, obviously, as a new generation and as pitching, the statistics change, what we just talked about with Jacob DeGrom, there's going to be guys getting in when DeGrom hangs it up in 10 years or whatever, you're going to have to seriously look at a guy who maybe only won 140 games. And they're going to have to look at him like a Sandy Koufax just in terms of what he won. You know what I mean? The, I don't even know where the precedent is. Do you think they're going to start to let the steroid dudes in? I,
3: I think eventually some of them will get in, yes. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, that that was essentially my whole yeah, career to face almost, that. was was right in the middle. Yeah, in the middle of that. So yeah, it was always interesting to me and a fun little fact because uh, you mentioned Clemens was I was actually the opposing pitcher in the Mets Yankees game where Clemens hit and Piazza threw, in and the then okay, through so the
1: bat and then threw the bat at him. Right?
3: Well, that was in the World Series, but I was the uh, I was in the game or, uh, during the regular season when uh-huh. we played interleague play where Clemens drilled Piazza in the head. And um, that's kind of where it all started. And then I proceeded the next inning to hit Tino Martinez with my 88 yeah, mile an hour gas right in the butt. <laughs> yeah, Gave yeah. A- so, uh, but so yeah. Just, well, t- what happens in that I moment?
1: Mean, are they like they look at you and I they're what like, "What are you dude- saying?" So, so he gets so Clemens uncurls and un- unfolds probably a 95 mile an hour steroid ball into Piazza's head. Okay. And then you yes. are in the dugout and what are you saying to yourself? Are you like because you seem like a really nice guy and I don't know if like inside you're like I want to go rip this guy's head off? Are you saying, "Oh shit, I got to do something about this?" Or are you like, "Okay, here we go."
3: I think at the time I was it, I think it was more adrenaline. Like I knew I had to do something because that's, that's what written that's, that's that's the rules. That's the way it's taken. Those are the rules. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, in my whole career, I only had to do that twice, and both times were because my catcher got hit in the head by wow. the opposing pitcher. The other one was Juan Guzman. Yes, if you remember that name, yeah, um, uh, hit our, our catcher in the head in Kansas City. But anyway, so yeah, I, I think I knew right away what was going on. But I do remember multiple guys in my dugout saying, "If you want to drill two, the first two guys next <laughs> inning, you can do that too." When I thought, to my, <laughs> and I thought to myself. I'll I'll go for one and try and stay in the game because I think at the time I was right. actually pitching. Yeah. Good.
1: So so how crazy is that? So you're how much of that is as a pitcher? You know you've got to do this for your team, but you and your brain are saying to yourself, "Wait, I'm locating my pitches. I'm doing what I need to do. I feel like I have command today. And now I, I gotta, don't want to leave the game. I don't want to leave the game. I don't want to throw it to guys."
3: Yeah. And that was a huge game too. It was, it was, uh, you know, mm-hmm. at Yankee stadium that we actually played a day game that day. I remember that That's amazing. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Yep. Um, so that was a huge game and you know, for, for, for me, it was like, I mean, it doesn't get any better. you're you're starting against Clemens at Yankee Stadium so Mets cool. Yankees. I mean it was it was awesome. So yeah, Unreal. crazy game. Um,
1: well dude, thank you so much for uh, joining us. thank you for being a part of this show. Uh, you're always friend of the show. We'll have you back and thanks for your insight about uh, not only baseball but coming up in, in the minor leagues again the major leagues and of course this baseball season. We'll be watching the playoffs with you. We'll tweet at you. Feel free to tweet back at us again, follow Glendon Rush. Thanks man.
4: Thank you guys, it was a lot of fun Coming up
1: after the break uh, Mr. Jerry Jones uh, I can't believe he's dipping a toe in the Antonio Brown waters. you're going to want to hear this interview Right after this, this is TWA by Ted Hawkins Your true happiness Means there's
2: success Your true happiness
4: Means there's success Your true happiness
1: happiness Hey guys, welcome back to the show As promised, uh, we got him on the line right now He is the top dog Mm -hmm. He is the owner of the high-flying Dallas Cowboys. He is Jerry Jones. Welcome to the program, sir. How are you? You must be in a great mood. Uh, You forgot.
2: Chief executive officer and supreme leader, supreme uh, leader Yes, supreme yes, that leaders. is what I consider myself. Yeah. It's a benevolent term, uh, uh, but know. it does, but it does convey power yep. and control. Yep. Well, and those it, are my two favorite words: power and control. Yeah, you really air quote controlled the
1: situation with Ezekiel Elliott this summer. I mean, you got him back. You got him back. But it costed an arm and leg for you from you. And I know I know those negotiations did not go the way that you
2: wanted them to go. Well, I'm standing on two sticks and I got my two sticks up on my around my torso. So I know what you're talking about. Uh But uh, we got three. The main thing is, is we got uh, three to the left and a zero to the right of that dash. And to me, uh, that we are well on our way. Uh, maybe past eight and eight all the way up to nine and seven well i think is, um,
1: i think ezekiel elliott and in my own honest humble opinion ezekiel elliott makes your team about five or six wins better that's just that's how good he is so i can understand how he would kind of whoop your ass in the negotiations like he did this summer when he held out in, on the beach in cabo <laughs> uh,
2: i'm sorry who's that
1: that's Randy. Eze- no, Ezekiel Elliott. You said who's that? That no, is about- Randy who said that no, about you. Listen, he said who's that about Ezekiel. I know what he's referring oh, to. I well, I'm too. saying
2: it about both of you. Okay. Uh, all right. Who's all that over there and who's that person you keep yapping about? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Ezekiel Elliott. You can't say who's that after you basically agree to all of his terms.
2: Well, listen, uh, I I did this as a strategy, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh I knew Zeke. Uh, would uh, would step onto that field and produce but he needed a little umph a little push in the behind mm-hmm. and uh and that's what I did. I I, I pushed him in the behind, yeah. and got and got him out there, uh, you know, on the on the on the green on the turf, and uh, and look what it's done. So, uh, is this know, how you this handle all my, your? Is this how this you handle is all nego- your? Yes. Negotiations. yes, it is. It, yeah. yes. it's okay. exactly how I handle all my business. Uh-huh. Listen, this is a negotiating style just like I use with Jeannie uh-huh. uh, when she wanted a new pontoon. She I said, "What pontoon?" <laughs> What is a pontoon? i never you heard. You know what a pontoon word. is. No, he, that's a smart well, way to play. Of course, I did. You I knew exactly du- what a you pontoon is. I have, a, I have an armada of them, oh, but I, God. but I feigned a a of dementia to undermine her. You see, yeah. uh, that's the case. And uh, and then when she uh, eventually, uh, I said, "I'll get you one step down from the uh, the Mediterranean French Riviera uh, version." Yep. She said, "Okay, Jar." And I said, "Look at that. Who won, Jeannie? Who won? You did." <laughs> and you I were literally asking. I made her cry, Uncle Jerry. Well, hang on a second. When
1: you were asking who won, were you really? Did she think you were really asking? No, I yeah, mean, that's like a your daddy moment. Well, no, you, he had just asked what's a pontoon, and then for him to say who won, it maybe seems like he's confused as to whether or not he won. Is that well, right? I
2: didn't pay. I didn't pay for the for the for the number one. Yeah, uh, so you won. A so eventually version. you won. Yeah. yeah. So I won. Just like with Ezekiel, I won.
1: You didn't really win, but you are winning with
2: him, and that's a good thing. So yes. speaking. Well, I've been talking to. I've been talking to. Hold on now. Don't yeah. move me on to another topic because I'm still <laughs> stuck on this one like a fly on shit. Now listen. <laughs> Uh, Le- 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 you can beep that. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, uh, Leon, uh, uh, I- I've talked to other former cowboys yeah. about what a special player Zeke is. Leon, Lent, Randy White, Danny White, <laughs> uh, Raphael Shifty. No, do and, not uh, talk to him. Yes, I still have no. a direct communication no, with him. It is. Don't. Uh, He's not a yeah, good there, show, are, well, there are federal federal officers on the line at all times. Okay, got uh, it. but they all agree uh-huh. that Zeke was destined to break every record in the book. And I'll tell you this, mm-hmm. Danny even said. That right now, probably right now, Uh he's a better quarterback than Danny ever was.
1: Wait, Ezekiel Elliott or Dak Prescott? Yes. Ezekiel Elliott saying, is not a saying, quarterback.
2: No, 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 no. He's saying that Ezekiel Elliott, uh, forget about running back. He's such a great football player. He's, he's probably a be- even a better, better quarterback. quarterback. Wow. That is wow. crazy. And Danny and White, he would not seed he would not seed uh the punting position. He no. said he can't kick worth a lick. Okay. And I agree.
1: Well Danny, Danny White was, White a, was, a, punter. Punter a, was a punter and a and a quarterback. Last and, time we've ever seen that. And a lover and a fighter. Uh yeah. Can I say? Can I say this is that? Uh, when do the Dallas Cowboys make a play for Antonio Brown? When does that happen? Because that to well, me feels like that's a possibility.
2: Well, I and why exactly? Would you think that? Do you have information from the inside? Has Jared Jones been spilling the beans again? No, nope. Jerry Jr.
1: Jerry Jerry no, Jones, Jerry Jr. Jr., no, Jerry Jr. No. has not been spilling the beans. I don't have a direct All line right. to
2: him. Okay. Well. Uh, well, you hit you hit on something here because okay. uh, right right now I am in communications with Antonio Brown. You are. Uh, we have been yes, we have been in. Uh, uh, I would I would call them uh, uh, languishing talks. Uh, okay. They're you know they're they're sort of floating around. But mm-hmm. I I will say this I um, I am subsidizing his re-enrollment into Central Michigan. What? Uh, Why in the world? Yes, I am. Why would you do that? Uh, th- Well, they're online courses. It doesn't cost that much. Uh, He's taken... I think he's taking a cooking elective and some kind of recreational management course. Probably. But uh, but uh but nonetheless I just said Antonio I appreciate your uh your extended pursuit of your education uh-huh. uh but let's not uh, mess around too long you take one of these online courses we will give you a phony diploma let's get you back out on the field where wow. you belong.
1: And I think you're headed for the playoffs. I actually think you're headed for the NFC championship. I think you don't need him. I don't think you don't need him. You're you. headed for the NFC championship game without him. You already have enough pieces. If the Cowboys make the Super Bowl, it would be incredible. So I, it, it, you got to come on if you guys are. are you guys make books. the Super Bowl. Will you come on our podcast?
2: Uh, I will come on there. Can I ask you one question? Sure. Do you guys know? Do you know where Cole Beasley is? Yes. No. Cole
1: Beasley's on the Bills. The Buffalo. You let him go to the Bills. You got to bring him back.
2: Oh, I thought you meant right yeah, that now. was uh, that was a mistake. That was Jerry Jr. going behind my back. Damn it. Uh, he didn't like he didn't like Cole because Cole was pint sized. Yeah. And he was kind of cute. He, he was fun, kind of a cute little boy. Size. You know, he was like just having a he was like having a grandson on the team. Yeah. Jerry Jr. got jealous and he kicked him off. Okay. You know. <laughs> he was like Goldilocks and the three bears. Yeah, he didn't want him sleeping in his bed. I get I it. it. I get no. it. I get it. You got it. You always get it. I like that about you. Why don't you come take some online courses? We'll get you on the field as well. Well, see, right. I would do that. All right, thanks, Jerry. Appreciate
1: it. Good, Good luck, luck to thank you. you. How about them cowboys? How
2: about them cowboys?
1: How about them cowboys?
4: about me. I could wait, but I shouldn't wait three. I don't want to be. 2021, we think about us. Copper goes green, stepping.
0: A
2: podcast network.